So congratulations, here you are. You've finally graduated. The stress is off your back. You're finished studying. No more exams. And out of nowhere, here comes Josh telling you all the things that you're about to do wrong. And you might be thinking to yourself, Josh, what do you even know about university or graduating university? In what position are you to tell me what to do now that I've graduated? And the answer is, you're right. That's a great point. I literally know nothing about going to university because I have never gone, but here we are anyways. So the reason I am in this position to tell you what you should be doing or advise on it is because 75% of my clientele that I deal with on a day-to-day basis as a financial and investment advisor 75% of my clientele has graduated university within the last 10 years. So I understand what the repercussions are of going from a position of being in school to starting full-time work and trying to grow your lifestyle and, you know, go out on your own and that kind of thing. I understand the issues. I understand. I've got lots of clients with student debts. I've got lots of clients who got really, really high-paying jobs and are no further ahead than they were five years ago. I have clients who came to me and said, hey, like, we've each, like, both me and my spouse, we each made, like, 100 grand over the past 10 years. Like, it's, it's been great. And I'm like, wow, you made 100 grand every year for the past 10 years, both of you? And they're like, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, then I'll ask, okay, so that's, like, like that's like $2 million in, in earnings already. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Like, we, we did really well. And then I'm like, okay, so let's see your investment accounts. What do you have to show for? Let's see how your lifestyle has changed. And they're like, uh, yeah, we don't have any of that. We're not sure if we were, well, I don't know, were we supposed to have that? And I'm like, uh, yeah, you kind of were supposed to have that by now. So there's people who go out and they get either a great earning job or maybe they get a not so great earning job. And But either way, lots of people completely miss this step, this pivotal step, this pivotal part that you're in right now. So even though you've just graduated and you feel all stress-free, I'm about to lay down some truth on you. And it's that this is a very, very pivotal moment in your life. This is financially speaking from like an investment advisor and financial advisor's perspective. This is probably one of the most pivotal parts of your life. And it's, yeah, like in terms of financial planning and things like that, it's probably the most important period, probably this next few years, and you're going to build the foundation for your success going forward. So I would advise you stick through this one, listen to it, see how it goes, see what your thoughts are. I'm going to throw out some of the big common issues that I'm seeing with people who have graduated within the last five to 10 years and things that I wish I would have been able to tell them five or 10 years ago and things that they wish I was there to tell them five or 10 years ago. So let's go through the main things. I'll start with this. There is a huge, huge difference between variable expenses and fixed expenses. And up until now in your life, you probably haven't had any fixed expenses. And if you did, they were probably minimal. For instance, what is a fixed expense? A mortgage, a car payment, um, you know, insurance on your car, um, Those are probably the most significant ones. Groceries, things like that, rent, whatever they are, okay? So a fixed expense is something that if you don't pay, there will be serious consequences. So if you don't pay your mortgage twice in a row, three times in a row, four times in a row, they're going to repossess your house and you'll be living on the street. So that's a fixed expense. That's something that's significant. 
your car payment. If you don't make your car payment, you know, if you miss it a few times in a row, they're going to repossess your car. Now, that's a fixed expense, a variable expense. If I go eat and drink at Joey Keniston twice a week, which is unfortunately kind of true, um, that's a variable expense. If all of a sudden I don't do that anymore, there's no significant impact on my life besides the fact that I don't get to eat great food and, and waitresses. But other than that fact, if I don't go to Joey Ken and spend my money every week, that doesn't significantly impact my livelihood. If I don't pay for gas, maybe then it just means I can't drive and I have to bike places or whatever, but I can still get around. But if I don't pay my car, they repossess my car. So do you see this difference between fixed and variable expenses? Variable expenses are things that you can pay for, but you don't absolutely have to pay for. Fixed expenses are those things that you have to pay for, or else there will be dire consequences. So up from now, like from the beginning of your life until now, you've mostly had variable expenses. Things like, oh, I have a phone bill every now and then, whatever, I pay it, maybe don't pay it, whatever. Um, You know, I have, you know who knows, I've got a, you know, I like to go with my friends and party on the weekends or whatever it might be. The issue is that those are not fixed things. So you haven't had the responsibility yet of a fixed payment coming out at a certain time and you being required to be able to make that payment. And if you don't make that payment, it either negatively affects your credit score, your credit bureau, so now you can't get loans. If you can't make those payments, your assets get repossessed, like your cars or your house gets foreclosed, things like that. So what I mean by this big difference is there's a massive psychology shift that happens when you go from a lifestyle of pretty much variable expenses only to a lifestyle with many fixed expenses. And things change real quick and you can lock yourself into some unfortunate things. But that's, I'd say, one thing to say that we have to be wary of is variable versus fixed expenses. Secondly, the big thing is that you're going to experience probably, hopefully, a massive jump in income. Maybe before you were working part-time making 20, 25, 30 grand a year. And maybe now with your job, you'll be making 50 to 60, maybe $70,000 a year. Who knows if you're graduating from some crazy type of school where they'll actually hire you in some place that will pay you more than 100,000 or 200 plus, whatever it might be, as maybe a doctor or whatever you might choose to say there. Um, So the income jump is also something that is very big. And if there's any time in your life where you can really make a meaningful impact on the future of your of your finances and the future of your wealth, it's when your income jumps. Remember that. Every time your income jumps, you are presented with an opportunity to make your life much, much better. So you're in this pivotal moment. We've got these fixed and variable expenses that are kind of dawning on us, and we've got this massive income jump. The next thing is that I think it's super important to understand with this income jump that comes without a plan in place and without a, an automated process of, of you helping yourself, there is no way you're going to end up saving or investing that money for the future. You're going to spend it because we are creatures of habit. We are, you know, if you believe in evolution, you might say this is from our prehistoric ancestors who, you know, had to store up on food because they didn't know if it came in the next season or they didn't know when that would be the next buffalo that they could eat. Either way you want to look at it, we are people who use the resources we have, and we will use all of the resources we have. Typically, unless we are either extremely disciplined, our nature will say, hey, 
I made $5,000 this month, I will spend $5,000 this month. And you might look at that and say, that's ridiculous. You'd want to have some excess. You think very rationally. But then every single month, you realize you're spending $5,000 a month, even though it doesn't make sense. So it's something that happens. Trust me, I'm an investment advisor. I'm a financial planner. I see this happen in every person's life. They believe, oh, that's ridiculous to not have excess money left over the end of the month, yet they go and spend more than they make. And the reason this is significant is because Everything in your financial future and your financial success in life comes down to excess cash flow. Like everything comes down to that. Without excess cash flow, you cannot invest in your future. Without excess cash flow, you cannot insure yourself. Without excess cash flow, you cannot experience nice things uh, in life. Without excess cash flow, you can't progress at all. So you want to always make sure that you are in a position of excess cash flow every month. You are putting away whatever it is, 25%, 20%, 10% of all of your income to a place where that money will help you to progress rather than always stay stagnant. The first principle that I want to explain that is super important for you to learn right now is pretty much the most one of the most common money principles that kind of every financial professional knows about, and it's called pay yourself first. You have to pay yourself first. So as soon as that paycheck comes in, you have to designate a portion of it towards you. And when I mean you, I don't mean, hey, go experience nice things, take a vacation. I mean, dedicate that money towards your 60-year-old self, your 50-year-old self, your 70-year-old self. Dedicate that money way down the road for yourself in the future. Now, the minimum you should be putting away towards your long-term future is 10%. That's the absolute minimum. If you're making, you know, $70,000 a year, the minimum you should be putting away every year for yourself and your long-term future is seven grand. I would advise 20. 20 is probably the best, but lots of people have put themselves in a cash flow situation where they can't afford that. But if you can't afford 20, do 20. And this is why it's very important because you're both to get this income jump. Now is the time to put that money away and invest in your future self because you can and you're not locked into anything. If you make all this new money and you decide to go get a nicer car and a nicer house and have nicer habits and have a nicer wardrobe, you're going to have to spend the money to get that nicer stuff, which means you're going to reduce your excess cash flow. So typically people who make 70 grand instead of making 50 grand don't save more and invest more. They just slightly upgrade their car. They slightly upgrade their house. They slightly upgrade where they shop for their clothes. And now all of a sudden they're no further ahead, except they have some fancier things, but they're not progressing. You know what I mean? They're not progressing at all financially. So First thing you want to do is pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. And what that means is set up an RSP, set up a TFSA, set up an investment account where your money will automatically be withdrawn from that account at the first of the month or whenever you get paid. So that paycheck comes in bi-weekly, that paycheck comes in once a month, whatever it is, you align your, your payday with your withdrawal to your investments. So that as soon as that paycheck comes in, maybe it comes in and it says, hey, 2,500 bi-weekly and immediately 500 comes off of that bi-weekly and 500 just comes out. So now in your bank account, you only see 2000 instead of seeing 2,500 because if that money comes out snap right away, you're not going to be able to spend it. Hooray. You have no time to spend that money because it automatically gets withdrawn as soon as it gets deposited in your account. That's what we want. That's, this is how machines can help humans and our, and our behavioral issues, because we have a behavior issue. If the $2,500 sits there in our account, we're going to spend it. But if we can get a machine to take $500 out just as it's being deposited, then we can get over that hump, that issue of, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to save. So 
it gets you over that issue, that savings issue, that psychological battle between saving and spending. The next part, and this is so important, and our, the problem with this is that so many people believe that investing is this risky thing and there's a chance that your money won't be there later. Point number one to that, you can choose however risky you want your investments to be. You can choose the riskiest one or you can choose a medium one or like medium, there's like, it's like a steak. It's like you can have it rare, you can have it medium rare, you can have it medium, you can have it medium well, you can have it well, you can have it everything. Like there's so many different ways you can formulate your investment account to match your risk. It doesn't have to be a risky thing for you. Okay, so that's part number one. Part number two, if you only save and you never invest, you're doomed. It doesn't matter how early you start, you're doomed. You're playing a loser's game. And here's well, I'll, I'll even explain this. If you're graduating, you're probably around the age of 25. Let's say you make $70,000 a year and you're going to say, and you know what? Let's even say that $70,000 a year increases by 2% every year. So you're getting a 2% raise every year. Let's say if you put away 10% of your income from age 25 to age 60, and you just put away that 10% of your income, 10% of your income, 10% of your income every year. Meanwhile, your income is growing at 2%. So you're getting a little bit bigger of a salary. So you're putting away a little more every year. When you're 60 years old, you're going to have 300 grand in the bank. Congrats, $300,000. When you're 60 years old, you're going to have $300,000. So now you're probably going to live maybe, let's assume, till 90. So that means you're going to have $10,000 a year to live off of, which means less than $1,000 a month, which means you won't be paying for food or rent. You'll have to pay one or the other because you won't be able to afford it. So even if you start saving 10% of your income from 25 to 60, nope, won't make it. Not going to happen. But guess what? If you can invest that money, let's say you put away 10% of your income every single year, you invest it, let's say in the stock market and in different types of investments that someone recommends to you, let's call it, you could earn 8% on your investments, average. Instead of having $300,000 at age 60, you would have $1.4 million, actually 1.46, so round up $1.5 million at age 60. Now tell me something. Would you rather have at age 60 1.5 million dollars or $300,000? Hmm, tough one, bud. I don't know. Obviously, you'd rather have 1.5 million. It's just a no-brainer. So, the only thing you have to do there is change where your money is going. Don't put your money in a savings account. Don't put it in a money market fund. Don't put it all in a bond. Don't put it all in a GIC. That's absolutely ludicrous. Invest your money wisely. Take some risk take some volatility, put your money in something that's subject to change and invest it for the long term. Keep contributing. And over the long term, your money will be worth five times as much. So instead of having 300,000, you'll have 1.5 million. If you start making 70 grand and putting away 10% and have your, you know, income grow at 2%. So that is lesson. Number one really is pay yourself first Make sure that every time one of those paychecks comes in, there's automatically, at that moment the check comes in, automatically a withdrawal to your investments. 10% is the minimum. I recommend 20% or more. Second thing, when that money gets withdrawn, make sure it's not going to a savings account earning you 1%, earning you half a percent. Maybe a GIC locking you in for three years earning 1.9%. That's ridiculous. Invest the money for the future. Invest it for the long term. Put it into something that is going to grow. And if you want to know more about something that is going to grow, just get, either text me 204-291-6508 or go through my podcast and look through those things 
and look through my episodes and you'll learn all about different types of investments and which ones grow faster. The third thing is start early. This isn't something that you do later. This is something you do now. And I'll tell you why. Let's take the previous example. What did I say? I said $70,000 a year. You make a 2% raise every year. The employer likes you. They're raising you 2% every year and you're putting away 10% of your income. Like I said before, if you do that from age 25 to 60, you're going to have $1.45 million. Now, if you start at 30, you're going to have $943,000. So that's already about $500,000 less. It's about $500,000 less than you would have had just because you started five years later. Do you want to be $500,000 worse off just because you started five years later? If you put this down the road, it's going to affect you hugely in the end. And that's all, that's all I'm trying to say. I'm saying the numbers don't lie. Now, let's say you really put it off until you're 35. Instead of having 1.5 million, you'll only have 600,000. So your money has been cut in half by waiting 10 years. So by starting 10 years earlier, you become double as wealthy at age 60. So maybe you don't want to be hugely wealthy. Maybe you want to retire early. But if you start at 30 or 35, the odds of retiring early, unless you make a huge income or you're willing to like literally live in Thailand every day and like buy 50 cent meals and things like that, it's not going to happen. If you start at age 40, you will have, instead of 1.5 million, you'll have 360,000. So now we're like a fifth a four, a quarter of what you would have had. So here's the deal. Every time there's, you, you wait five more years in the future or even a year, you're suffering down the road because of your apprehension of how much time it took to get you started. So starting early is the key. Starting early is the key. And the reason is, is because investing is not a linear thing. It's not a straight line growth. Investing is an exponential thing. Starts off slow in the beginning, and then it starts to curve and take off upwards. So the, the faster you can get over that bump and over that curve, the, you're just going to start flying in the future. So getting started early is very important as well. So those on the investment side of things are the three most important things. First, pay yourself first. Second, stop saving money, start investing it. Third, you got to start early. And if you start after the age of 40 or even at, you know, around there, you're pretty much hooped. Like it's going to be tough. Um, and a lot of, and this is going to hit us like a brick wall because most of my generation's parents didn't start until way later. And most of them didn't realize that. And most of them didn't realize that their defined contribution plans kind of suck and that they're not going to, you know, provide them with an adequate income in retirement. So that's something to think about. Our parents aren't going to like you look at your parents and say, oh, they're doing it right. But the day of judgment hasn't come for your parents yet. Your parents have probably been doing it wrong and you've been learning from them. So that's another thing to take into account. Another thing I want to touch on is this. There's the stage of growing your wealth, which most young people are very fascinated by, me included. Growing your wealth, investing, putting money away, seeing it grow. But what's just as important is protecting that over time. Protecting that wealth. So there's a few things that you're going to need to do to protect your wealth. For instance, let's say you're saving up lots of money. You want to retire. Boom. You or your spouse gets critically ill. One of you either gets a cancer, has a stroke, um, a coronary bypass in the heart, whatever, gets a critical illness. And now all of a sudden they can't work and they need an income for a year because they're not working anymore. 
Now you're going to have to take away from your investments. You're going to get taxed on that. You're going to have to withdraw. You're going to have to take an income from the money you've saved up. And now you're going to have to retire way later, even though you've been diagnosed with a critical illness of some sort. So critical illness is one major thing that can affect your wealth going forward. Another one is disability. What if all of a sudden, like, you're driving a truck and all of a sudden someone smashes your legs out and now you can't work anymore? Like, now you can't make an income, but you still have a mortgage to pay, you still got car bills to pay, you still got all all sorts of stuff to pay. How is that going to get covered? How do you protect your wealth in the event of that? You don't want to start saving 20% of your income every month and then all of a sudden it gets blown when, by some freak accident, you can't work anymore, right? So, the next thing is, is death. What if you die? Like, what if you or your spouse dies and now you have to cover the half of a mortgage or you have to cover two halves of a mortgage instead of one and now you have to cover all the car payments and still put the kids through school and this kind of stuff. So freak accidents have the ability to take away from our wealth. And you might think, okay, well, those things will never happen to me. But if you are 20 years old, you're a non-smoker, you and your spouse have a 78% chance of either dying having critical illness, or being disabled before retirement. A 78% chance. So that means that four out of five of you, four out of five of every people listening to this, you or your spouse will be critically ill, disabled, or will die before retirement age. Isn't that freaky? So there's some planning that needs to happen there too. So that being said, you will, at some point in your life, need insurance. At some point in your life, you will need critical illness insurance, you will need disability insurance, and you will need life insurance. Those are things that, those are three givens, you you will need them. But here's the issue. So most people would be like, okay, well, yeah, I'll go get critical illness insurance, disability insurance, and life insurance, easy. Well, here's the issue. Our generation has been known to party a little bit, and one of the repercussions I'm experiencing a lot with these clients that I'm talking about, these, these people between ages... 20 to 35 is a lot of them are like, Josh, yeah, I want it. And then we go through the application process and, oh yeah, I did, you know, I dropped M once at a rave or yeah, I did cocaine once just to try it, you know, with my buddies or, you know, I really smoke a lot of weed or, you know, I tried this, uh, whatever this, this steroid when I was working out as a kid, what these things, they make you completely uninsurable. You cannot get insurance if you've ever done any of those things. You can't get insurance. So the scary thing is, is those things that you did when you were having fun back in high school are going to come back to haunt you. And now if you die or get critically ill or disabled, you're not going to have any money coming to you, even if you want it, because insurance companies won't even touch you. So that's kind of scary. So the first thing to really understand here is that if you have ever done a drug, if you have ever done a steroid, If there's certain things you've done, you need to get a job with an employer that's going to give you a group plan because without a group insurance plan, you're not going to get approved on your own. So if you've done these things and you were kind of a party animal, no problem. Just make sure that when you're getting employed, you get with a group plan because they will not require you to give medical evidence of your health. So that's something that's important also. So the biggest point about the whole insurability part, people think money buys insurance. Money does not buy insurance, your age and your health buy insurance. The healthier you are and the younger you are, the cheaper it's going to be. The cheaper it is, the more you can invest because you're not spending so much money on insurance all the time. So 
what you need to be doing is guaranteeing yourself access to insurance in the future. So you need to go out and start thinking about, okay, critical illness insurance, disability insurance, and most importantly, life insurance. I need these things. I'm going to need them in the future. Right now, they cost me 20 bucks a month, but in the future, they're going to cost me $200 a month because I'm going to be older and I'm going to be, maybe I've had some illnesses. Maybe I started smoking, things like that. If you're 20 to 25, your insurance is going to be dirt cheap. Like it's going to be like one McDonald's meal, maybe two McDonald's meals a month that you might have to do. It's going to be like 20 bucks, 30 bucks. If you do it when you're 35 and you've had some conditions, whatever, it's going to cost you like 200, maybe more for that same type of thing. So I would rather have you pay 20 bucks a month than have you pay 200 bucks a month. This is something you got to start thinking about now. And one of the biggest things, like so many of these, uh, so many people I work with, one of the biggest misconceptions is well, if I'm buying insurance, I'm just blowing money, I'm paying a premium and it's getting burned and I'm never going to get that money back and blah, 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 blah. Wrong-o. The cool thing about insurance is that you can actually take the premiums you're paying to the insurance company and have the insurance company invest that in investments of your choice. So then if all of a sudden you don't die, you can take those investments later. You have that investment in there. Don't think of it as insurance. Think of it as an investment plan. So think of it as, okay, I'm contributing to my TFSA, I'm contributing to my RSP, and I'm contributing to my insurance policy, and these are three things that make me wealthier over time. And if I don't die, I get to have all of them. If I die, well, I don't get any of them. So, but with the insurance one, your kids will get some too, and some and things like that. So involved in any investment plan is also the layering in of a contribution to growing your wealth through insurance as well. That's just really it. You got to get in at the ground level for this stuff, guys. You got to get in early and you will not regret it. I promise you, promise you, promise you, you will not regret it. What I do also have is a few clients who started when they were 20 and now they're 30 and they're like, yeah, killing it. Yep. We're actually way ahead of where we thought we'd be. This is really exciting because we took the time when we were young to apply for insurance, get it at a dirt cheap price, start investing in our policies that they make us wealthier, start an investment plan. And now we can do things like go on vacations and buy new cars and buy new houses and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. All of this being said, there's some serious thought that needs to go into this stuff. I trust you. I believe in you. I believe you will make the right decision. And again, if you have any questions, if there's any help you need, simply send me a text, send me a direct message on any social network that I'm on to call me, do whatever you have to do. Just get in contact with me. I would love to help you. And that is the conclusion to my episode today. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it so much and have a great night.